Hey guys, my name is Pastor Ron. So glad that you tuned in to the podcast of Allentown Fellowship Church. Each week we're going to endeavor just to walk through the Bible book by book and then give you some truths that you can apply to your life. So welcome to the AFC podcast. Trust and pray that God's word today will be a blessing to you. Romans chapter 7, moving right along, we're about halfway through the book. Probably could go back to chapter 1 and hit all the stuff we missed. <laughs> um, the thing about a- a- expository preaching, you do end up obviously staying in a book for a while. Um, I think, it, I don't know if it was, it doesn't matter what church it was. But there was a church that was doing this expository preaching, and I think they only got through maybe nine books out of the 66 during the pastor's tenure. And then, like, he just got old and retired. <laughs> so, but, um, but I think it's important um, to go through books of the Bible. Um, not that, uh, you know, there will be some times we'll, we'll do some topical messages Right, but I mean, my my conviction is that 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 the run of the preaching should be let's take a book and walk through it, right? Um, it's real easy to get off track and start piecing stuff together if if you don't have these blocks of truth. You know what what is this particular book saying? Um, and so, but of course that 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 means that we're in that book. You know, somebody said, asked me one time when we were going through Mark, I won't say who, are we still in Mark? When are we going to be done Mark? It's like, well, you know, we're just walking through it, right? It's like walking through the park, you know, take your time, look around, look at the birds, you know. Um, so we're in Romans 7. And the other thing, too, is, is keep this in mind, you know, chapters and verses are not inspired. Right? You know, the, the, the first century church did not get up. 2,000 years ago, and say, we're in Romans 7 today. They just read the whole epistle. Whether they commented on the whole epistle in one setting, but it wasn't like chapter 7. It was just one letter, right? So that's important to keep that in mind, particularly because it sounds like the Apostle Paul is repeating himself, and he is. So wait, he said the same thing in chapter 6. Didn't he say the same thing in chapter 5? No. Why? Because there were no chapters. <laughs> it's just the content of his letter. Right? So he's hitting on these topics of righteousness, what makes us right before God, um, what is it that actually happened to us. And I, again, I think it's hard to explain um, like, how did that happen? But there is a spiritual transaction that took place on the cross. Like, you and I spiritually died with Christ. Do you believe that? Wait, wait, what? Well, Paul said you died with him. So, if you don't believe that, you don't believe what Paul said. <laughs> Well, what does that mean? What does that look like, right? And that's why he's constantly trying to unpack this and, and, and hit it from different uh, um, nuances or different angles, if you will, right? And, and I think one of the biggest things that I think sometimes we miss as Christians is this. 
You, you ask the, the, the average person what happened on the cross. And I believe most people will say, Jesus died for my sins. Yes. Why is that significant? Well, because the wages of sin is death. And since he died in my place, I no longer have to pay that penalty. Absolutely. But there's another whole part that we're missing. He paid the penalty, but now that you're trusting in Christ, don't you still sin? Uh, yeah. Isn't God's standard perfection? Yeah. So did God let that standard go out the window? Well, no, he paid for my sin. No, I understand that. He paid for when you sin. But what about now that you're in Christ, the life that you live? Shouldn't you still live a perfect life? Isn't God's standard still perfection? And I would say to you, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, wait a minute. See, it's not just that we have forgiveness of our sins through the death of Christ. What's given to you is the righteousness of Christ. The life that you cannot live. Perfection. Christ lived. That is put into your spiritual bank account also. Whoa. Don't ever forget that. <laughs> the sin penalty is paid for in the death in Christ. But now the life that I cannot live, that life of perfection that Jesus lived, is also given to you. Wow. So even though we have this struggle with sin, we are still the righteousness of Christ. Man, we just got to remind ourselves of that. Because Satan wants to come across the yard, climb over the fence, hop next to you as you're sitting on your deck chilling, and be like, look at you. You failed again. And we're quick to say, yeah, but Jesus died for that. And that's true. He did die for that. But you need to say a little bit more. Not only did Jesus die for that, but the perfect life that I'm supposed to live, I've lived through Christ. So get going. <laughs> right? Do you think of your salvation that way? So we were dead. We died with Christ, but we also raised, remember last week, in newness of life. Right? It's a game changer, guys. And how you view what happened on that cross. So a quick recap, right? We were spiritually cha changed through Christ's death and resurrection. The old self was crucified. Okay? We talked about understand who you are in Christ. Consider. Consider like what the transaction that took place and what was put into your spiritual bank account, if you will. Right? The righteousness of Christ is yours because of Christ. Not you, because of Christ. He lived the life that we couldn't live, and he died the death that we should die. That's the gospel. And yet you have people today still trying to earn their way into God's favor. That's why you can't earn your way into God's favor. To try to live to earn your way into God's favor is, is, is kind of just, it's a slap in the face to what happened on the cross. You can't earn your way to God's favor. Are you kidding me? You're saying Christ isn't enough? What Christ did was not enough. There's something 
there's something that you can do that outweighs what Christ did on the cross? And yet people feel this way, right? So I'm trying to clean up my life. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf. I'm trying to, all these things that they're trying to do to earn God's favor. And we've already talked about what? Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Because God's standard is perfection. So while you're trying to clean up your life, what does that tell you? You're not perfect, which is why you're trying to clean it up. <laughs> so just stop, because God's not going to accept that. <laughs> he only accepts perfection. That's what his son did. That's why it's called grace, right? You need to walk in your new life. We talked about, so Paul says, in light of this dynamic, now what's your part? Now present your life. Present your life to God as a living sacrifice. Live the life now unto God. Again, not to earn salvation, but because of your salvation. And people get that flipped. No, why am I living? Why am I trying to please God? with my life, my relationships, with just living in this world and trying to study the Word of God and live out what the Word of God says. Why am I doing that? I'm not doing that to win God's approval. I already have His approval in Christ. I'm doing that because of His love. And again, so, so many times people, they mix this up. And then Paul talks about we are slaves to righteousness. We were slaves to sin, but now we're slaves to righteousness. My natural tendency, what I'm striving to be, is what God would have me to be in my life and the way I live. But we got this little predicament, right? The flesh. <laughs> the old desires. The temptations come. Then you lose your temper. Then you end up lying. You end up cheating. You end up like those old desires, but what's the difference now? Now when it happens, what happens? The conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's how you know you've been redeemed. So John says it this way, you cannot keep on sinning if you're truly sons and daughters of God. You cannot. What? Your very nature has changed. That's why a lot of times I talk to people and say, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian. I say, okay, this is easy. Not sure if you're a Christian? Okay. Have you sinned? Pastor Ron, we all sin. Okay. The last thing you did, you feel any conviction? Nope, you're not a Christian. Okay, next. <laughs> and they're like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> is it that simple? I said, yeah, I believe it is. You, you don't feel any remorse for these things that you. No, I really don't. Okay, probably not a Christian. Now, how, well, what am I basing that on? Because Jesus Christ said, when the Holy Spirit comes, and that Holy Spirit indwells every true believer. What does that Holy Spirit do? Convict you of sin. And convict you of righteousness. The Holy Spirit does not fold his hands and just say, mm, not going to convict you, not going to convict you. I'm going to let you figure it out. So if you're not being convicted, why is that? Holy Spirit not in there maybe? Right? The point is this. Paul talks about in Romans 6 that you, you were raised with Christ, right, spiritually now, to a newness of life. You're not the same anymore. You're not, and, and that's why you can't judge people based on what you see on the outward appearance. 
You might see a person who never, never uh, is lying, never cheating, and is a charitable person. And then you see a guy over here, mouth like a sailor, constantly losing his temper. And if you, and if you followed those two people, you would assume non-believer, believer. Right? Because you're looking at the outward appearance. You don't know what's going on in the heart. Right? The true believer does not mean that that believer is not going to struggle with sin. This is what Paul's going to talk about in this chapter. There is a struggle with sin. How do you know you're a true believer? Because you struggle with it. <laughs> in other words, you don't want to do it. The struggle is evidence of the supernatural change that God has done in your heart. Or else you wouldn't care. You wouldn't care. And there are people who live that way. I don't care. Dude, you know you just like robbed your employer? Pfft, whatever. So, like no con It's like, it's just like, how can you just do that? Right? We're changed. We're slaves to righteousness now. So, let's ask God to open up our eyes. Father, as we look at these verses now, Father, help us to understand who we are in Christ, what Jesus Christ has accomplished on the cross, the implications of that for us in everyday living. So we thank you, Father, for your word that changes us. In Christ's name, amen. So we start Romans 7. Notice he's continuing the argument, right? We came off of last week where he gave that metaphor of the slaves. You're no longer a slave to sin, you're a slave to righteousness. Now he's giving another example. He's going to now give a marriage example. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. Okay? Watch, watch the illustration he gives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. Okay. Monique is bound to me. By law. She cannot go chasing down some other man. Right? I didn't get no amen on that. <laughs> okay. Okay, all right. Um, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Now, every Jew and Gentile understood that. They believed that marriage was until death do you part, unlike our culture today. So, if I die, she's released from the law of marriage. She's no longer in bondage to this relationship. She's free. She can go marry whoever she wants, right? Hopefully somebody godly and is good looking. <laughs> Accordingly, on the other hand, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. And I'll be called a murderer. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm so struggling with the flesh. <laughs> I might do something. <laughs> but if her husband dies, again, he's making a point, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. So again, he's just giving a marital example, which all of them understood. You're bound by the confines of this relationship as husband and wife. There are parameters, there are boundaries that she must abide by, that I must abide by as husband and wife. The minute one of us dies, the other one is set free. We're not bound by that relationship anymore, okay? This is the picture that Paul's painting. To try to tell us what happened to us spiritually. 
Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. So that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. Go back to his analogy. The wife dies, she's free to marry. Now he's applying it to the Christians. You also have died to the law. Stop. Before Christ, we were married to the law. We were bound to the law. We had a relationship with the law, right? What did that relationship look like? The law said, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And if you don't keep it, you die. That's the relationship we were in. You following the analogy? <laughs> I'm bound by that. And that's our predicament because we all don't keep the law. Well, you're bound by that relationship. And that relationship says, if you don't keep the law, you die. Remember, we ended last week, the wages of sin is death. Paul says, you died to that. Look, my brothers, referring to believers, you also have died to the law. You've been set free from that. The parameters of that relationship, which was what? If you don't keep the law, you die, because God's standard is perfection. You've been set free from that relationship. Just like if the wife dies, she's set free from the husband. You have died to the law. How? Through the body of Christ, because Christ died in your place. The law you could not keep, that relationship that says you must keep the law. You want to be perfect before God? Keep the law. You and I were stuck in that predicament. I can't. I can't. Somebody get me out of that relationship. Because <laughs> the relationship, I mean, this relationship is going to take me right to hell. Because I can't keep the law. Christ comes along, keeps the law perfectly, and dies in your place. Wow. Gets up out of the grave and says, come on. What, I don't have to keep the law? No, come on, you're, you're with me now. Wow. <laughs> you see it? Do you see the picture? We die through the law, through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another. I'm not in relationship with the law anymore. I'm in relationship with Christ, who kept the law. Guys, this is a beautiful picture of the gospel. Now I'm going to personify it. The law might cry out, hold on, wait a minute, Jesus. Hold on, don't, 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 don't take Ron out of this relationship. He didn't keep me. Jesus is like, yeah, I know. I did. Yeah, but he didn't, so he needs to die. Yeah, yeah I, I took that too. <laughs> oh, you see it? Do you see it? Not only didn't Ron keep the relationship, I know. I kept the relationship. I kept the law perfectly. Well, then for the time he didn't keep it, he ought to die. No, but I died for him. Not only did I die for him, but I kept the law perfectly. Now he's with me. He now belongs to me, belongs to another. That's the gospel, guys. Wow. And so as I'm walking away from this relationship with the law, I now belong to Jesus Christ. Whew. I get everything that comes with that. His righteousness his forgiveness. That's the gospel. Beautiful, beautiful picture. So now what's the point? So we can just skip down the yellow brick road and go to heaven? No, it's a little bit more than that. I mean, that's part of our inheritance, right? But notice what he says. 
in order that we may bear fruit for God. <laughs> it ought to affect my life the way I'm living now. I ought to be bearing spiritual fruit for God. I, I, I ought to be looking like Christ in this dark world. Why? Because I've been set free from this relationship with the law. I'm not condemned. I'm set free. I'm forgiven. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Now he's going to contrast for while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. Now he's going back to the old relationship. When you were living in the flesh, in other words, you were dead in your sins, right? You were spiritually dead. Remember, we were all spiritually dead upon arrival. We were dead on arrival at the day that we were brought home from the hospital or brought home from the zoo, wherever you were brought home from. You were spiritually dead, okay? And what was your natural inclination? We were living with those fleshly sinful desires and just fulfilling our sinful passions. And they were aroused by the law. What does that mean? How, how do I know I'm a sinner? Because the minute the law said, don't do something, something inside of you said, hmm, okay, right? You see the little kids, don't touch. A law was now given. It woke up that sin inside of her. And all of a sudden, she sees if you walked away, and she's going to go touch it. What is that? This is exactly what Paul was saying. I think that's one of the biggest evidences that we are all born sinners. All you got to do is tell a kid, don't. All you got to do is bring a box right here, a room of kids, right? 50 kids in this room, put the box down and say, okay, guys, look, I'm going to be right back. Um, nobody look in the box and walk out. Guess what they're going to start to do? Yeah, come on, let's go, let's go. What is it? Why can't you just sit there? You can't. You know why? Because while you're living in the flesh, your sinful passions are aroused by the law. Your sin nature is woken up. By the law. I heard one pastor talk about, you ever walk in the park? You see the freshly painted benches and they got finger marks on them? Why? Because they had a sign that said, what paint? And what does some fool do? What paint? Hmm. Well, yep, it is wet. <laughs> it just, why is it something that a prohibition causes us to want to break the prohibition? Right? Do not enter. You're in a warehouse. It says do not enter. I wonder what's in here. It just says do not enter. What? That's our natural tendency, guys. And guess what? It was at work in our lives to bear fruit for death. That's who we were before Christ. I love this. But now we are released from the law. Having died to that which held us captive. See, when I'm in bondage before Christ, I'm held captive by my sin, which is aroused by the law. Now, it's not that the law is sinful. He's going to deal with that a little later. It's not that the law is sinful. Right? But now I'm released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve, here it is, in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. I'm not in relationship to that law anymore. I can't even, I, I can't keep the law. We've already established that. 
The way I live now is based on my relationship I've had, I have with Jesus Christ. I'm in a new relationship. Go back to the marriage uh, uh, analogy. If I'm dead and Monique marries someone else, she, she's not going to base that marriage on what I said ought to be. I'm dead. <laughs> I ain't got no say. Right? So Paul is trying to show what is the difference what has happened inside of us because of Christ? So we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way by the written code. So he anticipates the argument. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. He's not saying the law is sinful. Watch. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So he, some of the readers might anticipate, oh, okay, well, it sounds like the law was bad in all these analogies. No, it's not that the law was bad. It's you, your sin. The law just exposes your sin. I would not have even thought about coming up and looking in this box unless I heard, do not look in the box, please. That command, do not look in the box, is not sinful. You're the one that's sinful because you want to go against that command. So it's not that the law is sin. The law is used to show us what? We're sinners. The law is good. The law is good in that regard because it exposes what's really in your heart. Just like going into a... a, a MRI. I hate MRIs. I had to get an MRI, and I, I hate those machines. You get claustrophobic, right? And you're like, oh, man, get me out of here. And they give you that little thing and say, look, if you, if you can't take it, just push the button, and we'll have you come back out. And I was cool. When I, when I went in, I was cool. I'm like, I got this. What is this? I don't anybody's all scared about. So I go in, you go in the thing, and I should never open up my eyes. As soon as I open up my eyes and the thing is right here, and I look into it, and I see nothing but this circular thing. I'm like, oh, Lord, get me out of here. But I kept saying to myself, no, no, you got to stay in here because they got to see what's wrong. If you, get, if, if, if you get out of this, they're not going to see what's wrong. And I just start praying, Lord, please. And the lady comes on, are you okay, Mr. Jones? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Would you like some music? Yes, please. And no, I did not ask for a gospel. I asked for what, Ben? Jazz. Could you put some jazz on? She was like, oh, you like jazz? Yeah, sure. She put on some Benny Coleman. I said, no, no, not him. Oh. Johnny Stitt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. And all of a sudden, I just start, okay, just think about the music. Think about the music. What am I thinking? This thing is going to expose what's wrong. I got to stay in it. That's what the law does. The law kind of comes over your heart and exposes the sin in your heart. And if you don't come to a place in your life where you realize you're a sinner, you never can come to the place where you realize you need a savior. The law is good. The law is good. So Paul says, by no means, don't even think that the law is sin. It's the law that shows me that I'm a sinner. And that's where a lot of people, that's the hardest thing, to bow the knee and admit that they're a sinner. I'm pretty good. Well, yeah, if you're comparing yourself to me, you probably are, but Christ is the standard. <laughs> right? Let Christ be the x-ray. Now, 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 how do you measure up? So the Bible says what? All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. But sin, seizing an opportunity, 
through the commandment. There it is. That sin rises up inside of us and grabs hold of you. Right? Why? What made it do that? Don't look in the box. And all these little young kids, and all of a sudden, their sin natures rise up. Now we're going to look in the box. Not only that, but I walk in and five of you got your heads in there. Now you want to start blaming other people. Well, Johnny said that we could. Well, Bobby said that we could. Right? Just like we did. Lord, the woman you gave me. Yeah, the serpent, Lord. <laughs> Nothing has changed. Blame shifting, right? But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. In other words, all kinds of sin was woken inside of me. Not only do I say, don't look in the box, I leave. Your sin nature sins like, go, 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 look. Now you look. Now you're taking stuff out of the box. Now you're like, oh, we could take this and sell it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Your sin just grows. And what's exposed? How depraved we are. How depraved we are. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. It's interesting. Doesn't mean that we're not sinners until the commandment comes. No, that sin was already there. We are born sinners. But until the prohibition is given, then sin wakes up. This is what Paul is trying to get us to see. I was once alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. Wow. Paul's saying, I was once alive apart from the law. But, uh, 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 apart from the law, I'm good. I'm doing great. As soon as the prohibition comes, he realizes what? Oh, wow, I'm not doing so good. I'm not doing so good. Here's the analogy. I feel great. Everything's good. You go in, you get an MRR, and they say, oh, uh, we need to talk to you. You got some issues here. I, I, I don't feel that. I, no, I don't feel that. I'm good. No, 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 you got issues. See, until the law exposes the sin inside of you, we may feel, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. No, no, but once the law comes, it exposes what's really in our hearts. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. Why? Because you can't keep the law. You can't keep the law. You can't keep it. The law that is set up for good, which it is because it comes from God, you say, oh yeah, here's the law. Hey, law, how are you? Oh, these are some good things. Don't do this. Don't do this. This is good for relationships. And I, Yeah, okay. The law gives life. And then the law says, yeah, but you can't keep me. Huh? Yeah, watch. You're going to lie in a minute. No, no, come on, law. Hey, where were you yesterday? Oh, I'm sorry, I was at a prayer meeting. Oh, man, why did I just lie? Law's like, see, told you. The law is good in and of itself. And it does provide life because it's rooted in the character of God. But you can't keep it. <laughs> so then you end up dying. And again, this is where Christ comes in. For sin, seizing an opportunity, there it is again, through the commandment, deceived me. Isn't that what sin does? We always think it's not going to be as worse as it's going to be. It's like, it is no big deal. That's the lie of sin. That's why a lot of people get hooked on addictions, into different addictions and things. Ah, just a little bit. No big deal. I got this. Sin always deceives. It deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy. The law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous, and good. Why? Because it emanates from God. 
That's God's standard. That's God's character. But what does that law do? It exposes the sin in me. And when I give in to the sin in me, it kills and destroys. And I get deeper and deeper and deeper. Why? Because I'm in bondage to my sin. Until Christ says, come here, I'm going to set you free from that. That's why he goes on and says what? In, in Romans 6, right? You are no longer under sin. Don't you realize sin has no power over you? Sin does not dominate you anymore. So what's the problem? No, present yourself to God. He set you free from that. And that's why anytime we sin as a believer, Satan wants to make you think you're still in relationship with the law. Because then you start condemning yourself. Oh, woe's me. Oh, you know what? I mean, I'm not going to church anymore. I keep failing. I'm not going to church anymore. I'm not, right? All those lies. And you don't even realize you've been set free. You're in a new relationship. And Jesus is like, hello, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, but Jesus, I just failed again and again. Yeah, I know. That's why I died for you. Yeah, I know. I just can't seem to get it. Yeah, but I know. That's why I lived the perfect life for you. You're with me now. You belong to me now. Now, that's not a license to sin. We dealt with that before. That don't mean just go ahead and sin. The fact that you feel that struggle is actually a good thing. So now present yourself to me. Get in my word. Forsake those things. Beat the flesh under subjection, right? It's now a relationship. You got to walk with me even though your desires are trying to pull you back here. That's a struggle we all have. But a struggle does not indicate your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is securing what Jesus Christ did, period. And that's the truth that we got to keep at the forefront of our thinking. We've been set free. The law exposed my sin. The law killed me. The law deceived me. But I now belong to Christ. I've been set free from the law. You understand that? That's who you are as believers, folks. This is the message we have to give people. This is the only hope that mankind has. They got to understand first who they are, that they are in bondage to sin, that they are going to stand before a holy God one day and give an account for their sin. And the only thing God's going to accept is the payment God sent, Christ, faith in Christ. This is what we need to let Allentown know and realize. Not about cleaning yourself up, not about getting your addictions out of your life first. You need to get reconciled to God first. Your greatest enemy is sin. Who is your slave master right now? But praise God, we belong to Christ. Amen? God, thank you for your truth. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for our salvation. God, I pray for all of us that we would walk in this newness of life. I pray that you would give us wisdom to guard our life, to guard our lives, God, that they might look like Christ. We know they're not going to be perfect. But God, help us to walk in newness of life as you are already you've given us God already the righteousness of Christ so we are perfect in your eyes because of your son but you call us to now present our lives to you and it's a daily thing it's a daily thing to put out of our lives sin sinful ways of thinking actions that are not pleasing to you but God, help us to never lose sight of who we are in Christ because of what Christ has done. We belong to him now. Help us to walk in newness of life, Father, each and every day. We thank you in Christ's name.
Thanks for tuning in to the AFC Podcast. I hope and pray today's word has challenged you to align your thinking with God's word. If you would like to come visit us for one of our services, we would love to have you. We are located at 457 West Allen Street in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We are in what is called the Daybreak Room, which is housed in the Dubs Community Center. 457 West Allen Street, Allentown, PA. Our services start at 1 p.m. So if you're looking for a church that sticks to the word of God, come on out and join us. We'd love to see you. Till next time, God bless.